Man, why you got to say nasty shit, Ray? Because I'm a nasty motherfucker. This week, we talk about life. This is the Mississippi State Correctional Institution. Where you lose your freedom. Where you do hard time. There is no escaping from here. There is no recreation here. There is no fun here. But all of that is about to change. Life! What the oh. hell you mean? Like, hell no, I ain't doing no life. I'm going back to myself. It's a mistrial. I blame you for everything, Ray. Hey, boss, he ain't working. You gonna eat your cornbread. You can't have my cornbread. I'm from New York City. It's gonna be consequences and repercussions. I told you what my plan was. You gonna tell me what your plan is. What you working on? One of y'all wanna hit me down my back? We gotta get out of here. You call us a map? Don't tell me you don't know where we're going. This April, Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence are getting all there is. Out of life. You gonna make me fall off just talking to your ass. Every time you start talking, I'm almost fall. Will you die? Will you stop? Just don't say nothing else to me. You about to make me fall, right? Hey, don't, don't say nothing. Oh, gee, damn. One of my toes in the bottle, Ray. Welcome to We Watch This. This is an exclusive BYK Radio podcast um, just for the feed. Um, this is this is a movie podcast where me and my co-host Rain, we talk about, and sometimes a third co-host, we talk about movies that we watch. Um, and for the first season, for the inaugural season, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about 90s cinema, black 90s cinema. And um, there was no other movie I wanted to start off with, uh, but with life. Um, Rain, introduce yourself, please. Hey, man. What's up, y'all? I am happy as a fucking prisoner on parole (laughs) Uh, to be here and to discuss this movie. I'm Rain Coleman, Carefree Blur, Carefree Black Nerd. Bro. Bro. Um. Real quick, and I'll have a I'll have some kind of explanation in the beginning um before the podcast starts about 90s. Just gotta say, 90s movies, man, 90s black cinema to me was probably one of the best eras for us to actually have movies. When you go back and think about the run of 90 from mm-hmm. 90 to 99. All the movies that came out in the 90s just seemed to just have so much. And for this first, uh, for this first season of we watched this, I really wanted that. That was the first era that I wanted to hit mm-hmm. as far as black cinema. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, I wholeheartedly agree. And I say that we are just now getting into this like black renaissance, but not negating the 60s, 70s, and 80s. But if you look at black movies um, and even black television or just black film and TV and all that all together, the 90s was the peak. It was like the culmination of everything from the 60s, 70s, 80s. And then you got this explosion of blackness, this explosion of like cinema being very much UPN. And then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, like it changed in like the 2000s. So yeah, I'm with you. The 90s was, dang it, that that was it. That was that seemed to be our era, man. Of uh, black black filmmakers, black uh, just a variety of movies. And it's mm-hmm. funny because when we initially talked about doing this, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to do ten movies for for season one. I wanted to do ten ten movies, ten black movies uh, for season one, and I had to cut it down to six because one, I wanted to have co-hosts. I wanted to have an extra person between me and you because mm-hmm. I, I like to hear what outside people like yeah. to say about, about these movies. Yeah. And I couldn't find, I don't think I could find 10 different people <laughs> to you be able to this. Say what? You will after this. Yeah, I know, man. Um, God, man. I just, I love talking about movies. Real quick, a little quick back, background. Mm-hmm. So, t- two things inspired me. <laughs> and I gotta say, because a lot of people probably call me a copycat. I don't really care, but um, I listened to Bill Simmons' um, rewatchables, and he, the way they talk about the passion that they talk about movies and the way that they love movies, um, just really got me on my high horse and got me on. Because I'm a I'm a I'm 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 a movie guy too. I love movies. I know you love movies as well, and I just like to know. I don't know. It just gave me a reason to research and to look up, but they're never going to talk about movies that we're going to talk about in this series. And I wanted to shine a light on a lot of those movies. Second thing was CBN movie night. Hey, your series. Um, (laughs) When I thought about it, I was like, yo, rain has been doing CBN movie night for a while. And your love for movies is really um, amazing. (laughs) And I enjoy listening to you talk about movies. So it, it only makes sense to have you on this pod. Um, we watch movies to do a little bit more in-depth, in-depth talk about uh, movies. By the way, we're not reviewing this movie. We're not. <laughs> this podcast is not for reviewing. This is just conversation about black cinema, man. That's And, and actors that don't get the shine that they, they deserve. And just to have fun. Like, I'm, we're not on here trying to be super serious. We do have some, some, some nerd stuff. But in all honesty, thinking about those movies then and now are uh, something that, you know, I just wanted to do. Fuck it. I got a podcast network. I just wanted to do it. Fuck it. I'm right there with you. Uh, Initial thoughts. I love this movie as a kid. As an adult, I was like, whoa. Whoa, buddy. This has a lot. We have grown a lot as a people. We have. Now, that isn't to say it's not a good movie because I laughed my ass off more than I thought I would. This came um, out in 99. Yeah, 99, which means it had to have been shot in 97 and 98. Mm-hmm. So, because it was, what, April of 99. So, they definitely didn't shoot it in January and turn around and get a movie out of it. Right. Um, 
I, I enjoyed it. It was fun to revisit those characters. It was fun to see all of these different black people who I honestly forgot. Heavy D, I forgot what it opens. Who opens a movie with Heavy D? Done diddly diddly D. And this man ain't even a main character. Like, he, I mean, for all intents and purposes, he's like the entry level character, but uh, <laughs> audience surrogate, but he's not the main dude. Um, right. I, I loved it. I loved it, honestly, even with some of the problematic elements of it, knowing that it is a movie of its time and also knowing that it handled things, um, I don't want to say better or worse, but it I've seen worse from the 90s, mm -hmm. I'll say that, but I, I, I enjoyed it. I had a good time with this movie. So the crazy thing about this movie is the movie handles two, if you think about the setup, two mm -hmm. black men getting caught in the South, not even getting caught in the South, getting set up in the South and gets life for something they didn't do. And this is a comedy movie. Yeah. About prison. Bro. <laughs> yeah. Like, you can't. How are you making a prison movie, a comedy prison movie? And the crazy thing is, um, there were two writers that wrote this movie and, mm -hmm. and they, but Eddie Murphy had the initial idea for this, which is crazy. Um, the movie seemed like it would be a serious. Like, have you seen Shawshank Redemption? Yeah, <laughs> this, is, this yeah. would be more on the Shawshank level than anything. But see, I think it's a that's a testament to the cast and to the acting. Um, because I'm sure you could have cast other people and it have been funny, mm. but like this really walked that fine line between funny and seriousness that. I don't want to say it hasn't been done before. That feels so cliche, but it was it was genuinely funny, and the funny parts did not take away from the heavy, serious stuff that happened, and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Though, yeah. yeah, that was the thing too, man. Like th this movie was, it was really funny, but there were scenes, there were times in this movie where it got real, mm. like serious. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And, there, and and the thing was, it's crazy because Eddie. Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence handled it a lot. Like they handled it pretty good. Like I don't. Mm -hmm. To me, this is me personally, but to me, Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence are two of the funniest dudes in comedy. Like still <laughs> forever, you know they're 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 going to comedy Hall of Fame. But for some of those scenes in this movie, for some of the for certain things that happen in this movie, they get serious and it's yeah. <laughs> it's wow. Yeah, yeah. Um. I remember this when I was a kid too. I remember this scene at, at, at my grandma, my grandmother. Most of the movies that I have seen, I didn't. I probably didn't go to theaters until for real, for real, until I was like, you know, twenties in my twenties for real. Mm -hmm. um, going to the movies when you're poor is just one of them things. We we always hit up the bootleg man. Oh, there or, we go. Or my grandma always got. My grandma was always. She loved movies too. So if I would watch a movie, if a movie came out, she would have it on 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 VHS. You yeah. know what I'm saying? DVD. Come on, come on. You know what I'm saying? So, but I remember this as a kid watching it in her house, and I was like, "Oh, this is," you know, I, I didn't have a lot of restrictions as a kid as far as like what to watch. <laughs> so there was a lot of I, I remember at a very early one of the first movies I ever watched as a kid. I, I kid you not, this is crazy. I've seen Purple Rain when I was a kid. 
Like I seen the on the VHS when I was a kid. Like my grandmother loved that movie and was like, Oh, just let him watch it. I'm like, this is Prince at his freakiest time in his life. <laughs> I mean, we're in the same boat. Um, because there's not too much that I haven't seen myself, like as a kid. And it wasn't always even like parents or grandparents just give you free reign. Sometimes it was just like oh, these are the VHS bootlegs and CD bootlegs that we got, and then you had so and so house, and they big cousin got this. So, like, I watched a lot of shit today. Um, I was just talking about uh, something, I was like, Man, I don't think I was supposed to watch this. <laughs> like, like a 10 year old, I don't know, I have to think, but yeah, no, we're in the same boat, we're in the same boat, right? Right, oh man, um, very heavy topics. Um, fuck it, let's go to movie nerd info real quick. So the the movie came out April April eighteenth, nineteen ninety nine. The budget for this movie was eighty mil. Yep. Uh, it grossed. So it's opening weekend. It had twenty. It, it opened at twenty million. It grossed sixty four sixty four million across the U.S. Um, cumulative worldwide was seventy three million dollars. Okay. But the way Hollywood works is if you don't make back what you what you what you spent, it's mm-hmm. a bust. This movie was considered a failure because it only made seventy three million worldwide. Mm-hmm. Um, it's crazy. Um, Eddie Murphy was executive one of the executive producers on here, but it opened up at number one. It opened up at number one. Rain, can you guess what movie it beat though? Uh, Star Wars. <laughs> 1999? Oh, uh, Toy Story? <laughs> the Matrix. Actually, actually, you want to know what's funny? One of the movies on our list of movies we oh. have this season did beat Toy Story out at number one, but okay. I, I can't wait till we get to that movie because you're going right. to be surprised. <laughs> but the movie that it beat out in 1999, it's crazy to me. It beat out The Matrix. I could see that, though. I could see that, though. Um... Especially in the '90s, where folks in Hollywood seems to think we only wanted these sitcoms, we only wanted this like trauma stories and shit. Like black people like science fiction. Black people like seeing black folks on screen, and I could see more people flocking to see life off of the strength of Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence alone. So the Matrix was number one the previous week. Like yeah, it came out before this, mm-hmm. it, and as soon as Life came out, Life came in at number one and beat the Matrix. Now you give it another week, and then Life dropped to number four, and the Matrix yeah. went back to number one. But <laughs> so we came out the weekend. But you you also got to look at the people watching movies, baby. And like Life is one of the movies that the world at large is looking at as a black movie because it's black people in it. So some mm-hmm. white folks and some other folks of POCs who are not black aren't flocking to the theaters to see that. This ain't no Black Panther. You know what I'm saying? So especially for the 90s. What is Black Panther? I'm well, going to I'm going to figure out and see what was the Black Panther of back in the day before Black Panther. I'm that's a mission of mine. I want to say coming to America, but I don't even think that was it. Probably anything oh, yeah. with Michael Jackson. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, so so I could see that. And I think even though it was it only beat out the matrix that one weekend i think it makes sense because this is a more targeted movie not targeted this is a movie that would automatically off the um off of it just existing 
would be more focused and targeted at black people and not everyone at large, even though Eddie Murphy is attached to it. Yeah, but the, you want to know what's funny? Um, around about this time, people were still kind of iffy on Eddie Murphy. Like Eddie Murphy was looked at as um he for the white folks, he ain't for us. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And that's crazy. But that's look at the crazy. cast too. Like that may very well be, but when that's one Eddie Murphy, but then everybody else in this cast is black as shit. Like, yeah, it's a it's a good ensemble black cast, but a mm-hmm. lot of those actors were still just upcoming. The only two major names, like when we look back at it now and think about Bernie Mac being in there, Miguel Nune, uh, Nunez in there, um, okay. Baba Oba, oh, I can't even. I've been trying to remember know, his yeah. name. Um, mm-hmm. um, Anthony Anderson, mm-hmm. Guy Tory, um, the list that, goes on. That's uh, um. Late, we I got a conversation, but like I think the star power of Martin Lawrence and Eddie Murphy both pushed this movie. The premiere was crazy, everybody was at the premiere. Holly Berry, Richard Pryor, um, if you every big, every big name came to this premiere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, was this the beginning of the end for Eddie Murphy? I don't know because you didn't get movies like uh what's the one where he played a robot of himself with Gabriel oh. Union. I'll tell you oh, what. Let me let me go let me go this route. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you the the next 5 movies after Life and you okay. tell me this is the beginning of the end. So he does Life in 1999. Bowfinger mm-hmm. comes out. Nutty Professor 2 comes out. Shrek, mm-hmm. he's the voice of Shrek and then Dr. Doolittle too. So yes and no. Um I think I think it's like, and this y'all follow me here. I think it's like a Nicki Minaj. She came out, mixtape was hot, everybody was into her. She was the first of her kind for a while, and everybody hopped on this bandwagon. Then she started making music that folks felt like was too popish, and she was getting critiqued for that. And then she circled back, and now you know we have the Nicki we have today. I say that to say I think it is both the decline and the um, I don't know, advancement, I guess, for lack of a better word, for um, Eddie Murphy, because you've gone to a space where you've done comedy and movies for years, and you've crossed over where white folks are a household name for them, and then you make things like Bowfinger was a, that was a pretty good movie. Um, you get to being on Shrek, being a voice that children will um, associate with Donkey forever and a day. So mm. in one sense, yeah, I mean, and did a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, so in one sense, I'd say you went down because you're not going with the same trajectory that you had before, but then you're also going up because it's now it's about the long game. Like, yeah, I was hot. I did comedy. I did movies. People liked me. I was a sex symbol at one point in time. Like, mm. you know, come on. But then you want that longevity. You want to be featured in all these damn Shrek movies. You want to make these films that cross over a bit more. So I think it's both, depending on which audience you are um, speaking to. Mm. Yeah, so I think both. I think that Eddie Murphy was comically very good at, in this movie. I mm-hmm. think he... I think... <sighs> I think it at, at the time he was actually kind of maybe passing the torch just a little bit to Martin. Mm-hmm. Martin was still. I mean, let's look at the mo- movies. All right, looking at the movies that Martin did before Life, 
He had nothing to lose. Um, thin line between love and hate. Huh. Um, bad boys, boomerang, mm-hmm. which they had worked previously together. So when you think, and of course, Martin, the show was going on at the time too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I mean, I think this was a come up for Martin because after after life, Martin did Blue Street, okay, did Mama's House. Uh-huh. What's the worst that can happen? Black Knight and National Security. And see, like you said, I think he was very much in that Will Smith camp, that Eddie Murphy camp, where I'm um, I'm funny, I'm charismatic, but now I'm doing these more like. You know, family films. Yeah, you know. Um, Fun fact. I, go ahead. This was the last. This was the last R-rated movie Eddie Murphy did until twenty nineteen. When he did what? Bad Boys Three. This is no. I'm talking about Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. Oh, Murphy. Nineteen ninety nine. Life was the last R-rated movie he did up until This Is Dolomite, which came out of twenty nineteen. And I, I that tracks. That tracks because if you look at his his comedy, his popularity, and even his personal life up until this point, and then you pivot and then look at the roles that he was taking. You know, that makes sense. That tracks for me. That's right. Yeah. So Eddie Eddie said in an interview that he wanted to make movies that his kids could watch. Yeah. Um, so after life, that's when he started going down the that that path of, you know, like the movies that I named, Daddy Daycare and Pluto mm-hmm. Nash and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like yep. he was doing more PG thirteen stuff because he wanted his kids to be able to watch his movies. You know, Eddie got like a, a million kids, him and Nick Cannon running the race right now. Um, but it's crazy to me to think that like Eddie Murphy didn't do another already movie until 2019. Like that's mm-hmm. a long time, homie. Just to, yeah. but I mean, but then look at at the same time, what really is the biggest difference between R-rated and G or PG? Like, is it just the sex? Is it the amount of cursing? Is it the blood? Because we still get entertaining g and pg movies you know can again depending on the audience but i'm sure we're not getting life too (laughs) but like you know what i'm saying like what what is really the difference um between an r-rated movie and then him going on and doing these more family-friendly movies which i mean look adam sandler was doing the same type shit um a lot of those comics around that time it just it makes more sense Mm -hmm. market to the kids they bring in the whole family. It's more money than marketing just to these horny and angry and vulgar ass adults. Like, I don't think that that's the thing about life. I don't think it was like super vulgar. I think the comedy made sense for the R rating. You you would disagree? No, no, no. I agree with you, but I'm I think the comedy and a lot of the things that happened very much made it an R movie. <laughs> no, 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 but that's what I'm saying. I think there's a way to use an R rating, and in this movie, like think about it, man. The just being in prison with Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence and them not having to do a PG 13, it just wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. Especially with the kind of stuff that they were saying in here. Oh, you can't <laughs> you can't you can't have the cornbread scene. I don't I don't need you to to, to take up for me. I'm all right. I'm a I'm a grown man. I can handle it. If you let him have your cornbread, you're gonna be ironing his drawers and clipping his toenails. Maybe I ought to eat your cornbread. Oh, oh motherfucker, you can't have my cornbread. That's for damn sure. Because if you try to take my cornbread, part two of my killing spree gonna begin up in here on your ass right now. If you think about my cornbread, they get the taste out your mouth. That's for damn sure. Now fuck him. Fuck that. Cause I'm from New York City, goddammit. Nobody take no cornbread from me. And that go for you and any other you motherfucking farmers want to try some shit. 
you fuck around with me, it's gonna be consequences and repercussions. Hey girl, you gonna eat your comb? You can't have that scene without an R rating. First of all, <laughs> let me say, I know good like people applaud Robert Downey Jr. for his improvisation, improving. I am Iron Man. You can't tell me that Eddie Murphy did not fucking a lot of. Oh, oh, you got that's the thing. That's the thing. Listening to okay, so I'm a nerd, so I I watch director's commentary. The director Ted Demi said 90% of the stuff that Eddie and and Martin did Mm -hmm. scenes together were improv. See, that's what it felt like. It, I mean, it fit with the movie, but at that scene, I said, There's no way when they were talking about he said, Man, I. I, I wouldn't do anything to to prevent you from living. And I was like, no, fam. Like, he's like, this spoon was sharp enough for I kill. So he said, I bit a dude to, you know, I bit a motherfucker to death. What are you talking about? <laughs> Bro, yes. Yeah. He said, if you give me your cornbread now, you'd be watching this draws for the rest of the Clipping his toenails, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then even thinking that, I was like, look at the, like, there's no less than 40 niggas in this room. They all had to not laugh to let this man deliver this line because this is improv. It's not like I was just like. <laughs> so the director Ted Demi was like, "Yo, they went, they went off, they they went script went to the script." But he said, "The mark of a good director is letting knowing what you have is in actors mm-hmm. and letting them kind of go." So they would do it by the script, and then they would do another take and be like, "All right." Add some to this, mm. and you get some of the best moments on here. Right. That's a that's very improvised. Like they, yeah. imp- Eddie Murphy. It was it was two major scenes in here that Eddie Murphy just straight improv, and I was and I I went could. <laughs> it's hilarious, and the fact that like Martin was like, so they would both be breaking character because mm-hmm. they couldn't stop laughing at each other. And I yeah. thought if you look or the scene or the scene where <laughs> the scene where um. The little clock scene. Yeah, that boy, I let bro, bro. When I and that was another scene. That I said, I know good and damn well the way that he's going in on Martin. She looked religious. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. So you gave her two dollars. Yeah, well, she was in a tight spot. Her mama needs this operation. She ain't had the money for it, and so hey. You know, she tell me the church took up a collection, but they still were short. So I, I you know, two dollars short. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I gave it to her. You know, when the spirit moves me, I guess we both got fucked. Cause while you was upstairs doing God's work, I was over there getting jack legged by one of these fucking farmers, one of these goddamn waitresses. You know the bitches in here somewhere. You know they beat me down on my goddamn socks. You lost all our money in the car game, Ray. Fuck the money. It's not even about the money. Fuck the money. I lost my daddy's watch. Then fuck that cheap ass watch, man. Oh. I apologize. That got to stop something. You're right. right. One more again. One more again. See, I take all your front set. I swear. See how you go back to New York. <laughs> That's how you're going to be back in the car all the way back up. I'm sorry. Fuck that. Say something about the watch, Claude. Bring up the watch. In fact, just bring up watch. Right. Look like you fixing to make your mouth Ray, up to I'm, say watch. If I see you, I'm going to whip your ass. Right, right. In fact, don't even say watch no more. You can't say watch around me. Say little clock or some shit. You say watch, I'm going to just dive on you. Ray, how are we supposed to get home without any money? <laughs> Bro, yeah. The tone and the pace of this movie was unbelievable too. I think this movie, this movie comes in at almost two hours, but it moves so fast. It does. It does. How did you feel about the the ensemble cast and and how everybody else played off of Eddie and Eddie and Martin? 
Oh, I loved it. I loved every single piece of it. And nobody, like there were people who were filler, of course, because you have extras, but nobody who spoke was insignificant. Um, and I say this, I don't know if we're going to get to it later. For the listeners who don't know, I'm queer. I'm not heterosexual. So a lot of the, um, even those moments that were, like I have so much, so many thoughts about the way in which these men were portrayed on camera. But I still mm-hmm. like to say that even, what's his name, Biscuit? Biscuit, even yeah. the, the few lines he had were so impactful because of all of the shit that came before it. Like, it would have been easy to write him off as a joke, where in some instances they did for, just by nature of this being a 90s movie, and we don't have mm-hmm. the same terminology we had uh, back, today that, back then that we had today. But mm-hmm. every single person that appeared on camera and spoke mattered. And I was like, this is. <laughs> and the funny thing is, the director actually made sure that like everybody got their own time to shine. Like he was like, I'm going to introduce these characters, but I'm going to help you understand who they are. And I thought that was really important for mm-hmm. one, not having, even though the main focus is Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence. Mm-hmm. I think having a cast behind them that it actually is pretty strong. And, mm-hmm. Like, like Bernie Mac was killing it. And he. Bro. He literally didn't have that many lines, but Jangalang is still one of the funniest characters. Jangalang yeah. is one of the funniest characters in the fucking movie. Yeah. He has some of the best lines. Mm-hmm. His punchlines are amazing. It, his comedic timing was as well. Like looking at the bloopers and then remember the scenes that those came from. It's like, yeah, he. They all were stellar. If you need any, if you need anything. <laughs> Just calling me jingling, jingling. Come on, man. Bro, it did like hey, did you like okay on that no, scene no. when uh oh, was it the the white um sheriff or was it the black guy? But he was like, you know, something about don't be trying to you know get no ass on on the on work. Oh, 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 uh, the, uh, in the back, like even him in the <laughs> back out of focus, like that. That was easily like comic relief, but it was so impactful for what we did, man. And it was like, bro, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Yeah. That like, he said, if you, need any, if you need anything, anything, your hands, he said, your hands are nice and sober like a woman. Come on, man. Bernie <laughs> Mac killed it. And Bernie Mac didn't even, the funny thing was, the, the character of Jangalay, Bernie Mac, um, they just said, this is your, this is who you are. And they just let him, Everything was his. The mm-hmm. way he fidgeted his hands, the way he had his mouth open, everything, Bernie, that was Bernie Mac. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, he did that. Like, he, everything, even the I'm the Pappy scene, it was just like, that <laughs> That was pure, that was, that was a character, that was a person, that was, he brought that, he brought that character to life. He did. Yeah. He did. I think it was cool that they actually had a, a, a movie that, that gave up and coming actors uh, uh that time to shine because like i said a lot of these actors wasn't really like new mm-hmm. anthony anderson wasn't like blackish you know what i'm saying At all. Uh, this gave this gave a lot of up-and-coming actors their time to shine um mm-hmm. ha- what's happening that was important in this year at this time and this was crazy when i found this out april 20th school massacre in colorado after this Move movie on. The Colorado shooting. No, no. Is that the high school? Yeah, Col- Columbine. 
Okay, I wish you had said that. I would. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, like Columbine, I know what that is. Okay, yeah, yeah. The Columbine shooting happened after this movie came out. Damn. The movie dropped what the 18th. Columbine was on the 20th. 16th. Crazy. April 16th. 16th. Mm-hmm. So that weekend. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm serious. I'm sorry. Yeah, the 16th. Yeah, that, that weekend. They... <laughs> So, yeah. That's crazy. I yeah, I found that in um <sighs> wild stuff. Um, more more movie nerd info. Ted Demi, white guy. Yep, he directed this movie. Uh, Ted Demi is the director for Salt and Pepper Push It video. Mm-hmm. He was the director for MTV Yo MTV Raps. Mm-hmm. He did a lot of big time black movies. He did Who's the Man with yep. uh, Dr. Dre and Love from from uh, Yo MTV Raps. Mm-hmm. But he's got like these major movie roles like he did a major movie uh he he directed Blow in 2000. Yeah. When I saw that, that movie. <laughs> like what? <laughs> Blow is a that is something. Yeah. So Ted, Ted Demi has has a history of doing some black movies. And anybody who directs Yo TV Raps, you 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 good in my book. Um it's funny, well, not funny, but it's sad because he died playing basketball. He died of a heart attack from a cocaine overdose. Hmm. Okay. That's crazy. That's wild as hell. Yeah, he died in 2002, man. He was, I think, oh. some people, Um, I don't think anybody else could have directed this movie at that time. I don't know mm-hmm. any time directors that's from that era that could have directed something like this. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, no one comes to mind because Especially for me, movies back then were just the movies and the actors. The creative yeah. team, I was like, I was familiar with certain folks like Spike Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't call anybody back off the top of my head that could have done this. And especially with him giving the actors the free reign to use the script as the bare bones and not the final product. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I can't think off the top of my head who could have, you know, Singleton. I don't know. Like, See, that's the thing. I don't think Singleton could have did this movie because I think Singleton was really in his California bag. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? As far as like telling stories from the hood, and this is really a period piece. Like, oh, you yeah, know, you going from, from the 30s all the way into like the 90s mm-hmm. with these two men, and I'm just like, I don't think a lot of other people could have handled this. Spike Lee couldn't have handled this. I don't know any black oh, director. No. Oh, <laughs> like, I love Mr. Spike Lee, but fam, this would have been a whole nother movie, man. <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't know. Well, I don't know if they can really if they can really do something. Like, I don't think Eddie Murphy and Spike Lee got along. Mm, okay. Well, I think it was a beef. No, I don't I mean that's just me talking i don't know how true that is but i, I don't really think i think no niggas beef was beefing with each other i think they really like, like, i don't want to start he ain't been in no spike lee movie has he Mm-mm, not that i know of mm, listeners let us know too, but i don't think so <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Yeah. so did um did the comedy you clearly it was some things that happened in this movie that, that you wasn't feeling you right are- or wrong yeah, no, no. Hear about it. I want to. What, what, what was? What oh, was? Things. Um, what aged? What aged badly? Um, the some of the language, but some of the language because it's a prison movie. I give it a little bit more leeway than I would like a teen drama. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the way in which mental health was handled, like with Jangle. <laughs> that, like, crazy. I, I don't know, and I don't know, and and I, not even just mental, just like ableism, like with, dealing with someone who is you know handicapped. That oh shoot, I'm looking at my I, I done wrote some notes, but see, I didn't lost my. my you spot. talking about can't get right? Well, him for sure. That's like the biggest, thing. and it's only because oh, I am not. I will go on record as saying that I am not extremely well versed in some of the verbiage and some of the um, way in which that handicapped people are being portrayed. There's some mm-hmm. things that I become aware of because it just makes perfect sense. Case in point, Lovecraft Country, the way they erased a handicapped character from the book, made him an able-bodied person in the show, the role that was only like maybe 10 minutes long, mm-hmm. you could have spared the extra expense and, and hired a handicapped actor. Um, with this, I don't know if my beef is like they should have hired somebody handicapped. I don't. I don't know that that would have made anything better. But just the conversation surrounding him and some of the language used. Now, what, what, for me, what gives it somewhat of a pass is because, like you said, it is a period piece, and so some elements are going to quote unquote age poorly because it's the sign of the times. It's the thirties. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, oh, this is, this is like. Like the the um, oh, they use the R, they drop the R word. They they yeah. they. What did Eddie Murphy say when he was um uh, can't get right hit? And then that's the other thing. Like okay, if can't get right is going to be your name, the your nickname for him. Everybody got a nickname, but like this man didn't even get like a name. It wasn't like this Lawrence Junior. Like I was like, <laughs> have we reduced this man to his disability like we i don't even remember if we figured out why he was there but <laughs> either way um he hit the ball and there was something about what eddie murphy's is something to the effect of and this isn't verbatim it was like put some of that dumb dumb stank on it it was something that was so similar <laughs> to that. i was like yo wait a minute i don't have the i don't i don't know how to articulate this but this is wrong um and that didn't pull me out as much. And I have to, I have to maybe chalk it up to again and being the sign of the times, or maybe mm-hmm. my privilege from being an able bodied person. But that was like, this is wrong. And then with this white man coming in, gaslighting Claude and, uh, and Ray. What is this? This is slippy. I in don't, the 40s. I, but that's, what, that's the thing that's giving me a pass on things like that because it's like this is a period piece. You know, you don't watch a documentary about the KKK and be mad because you hear a nigger. Like, you know, right. but um, that was that was that stuck out to me. And also, now this is a kind of bad and a, and a good on the movie is the way in which queer relationships were handled because mm-hmm. again, we're in the 30s and with Biscuit and with Jangling, I initially I was like, oh, I just, I don't like this. This is why they, you know, looking like this, why they got them like this. But then the more I thought about it, it's like, this is the 30s. Again, to reference Lovecraft Country, they did a whole arc with this man's queer daddy dealing with, like, violently having marital relations with his partner to blow off the steam of the world that he, that beat him down before he walked in his door. So Mm -hmm. um, when we got the biscuit jingling um, relationship, it plays off as comedy, as comedic, and it probably is very much a funny thing for those who are not in that community, but goddamn, like the layers, 
this man effectively committed suicide because there was no way that him in 1934 or 40-something could have gone back out. Hey, by that time, they were, in, they were in the 40s by that time. Even still, you know, you had been with this. It, it's just I have a lot of thoughts sometimes. Well, I think <laughs> let, me, let me pick up. Let me pick up the ball and see if I can kind of help you with it. All right, come on. Biscuit, Biscuit got to a point where he got his release and him and Eddie have this scene and it's, and that's goes back to what we were saying in the beginning of, mm-hmm. of Pride, where it, the, the acting kind of comes in, the acting chops kind of come in and you have this whole scene where Biscuit don't want to go back into the world. Biscuit's mm-hmm. like, I can't go back to my mama like this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And Eddie and the cool thing. And well, you might not think it's cool, but I thought it was cool. And it was like, nigga, she ain't going to care about oh, yeah. it. He was like, look, you getting the best news out of anybody in here. <laughs> and you see him here mad. And he was like, just put a smile on your face. And he's just like, I ain't, what what, what am I do? And then <laughs> Miguel Nunez makes when I've seen when I'm a kid, I'm not, I'm not, I don't I don't really understand how people look and shit like that. But like as an adult, when you see, I see the I see the look in his eyes, and I'm like, it is hits different because when you see how biscuit looking. And you see in his face, in his acting, he made he he done made his mind up. Yeah, he I, made his mind yeah. up and yeah. crossed the gun line, mm-hmm. and <laughs> for all intents and purposes, killed himself. Yeah, like I said, he committed suicide. And, and, and that... I'm sorry, one more no, one more thing, one more point about this thing. And when you were talking about the relationship between Jenga Lang and Biscuit, and when. The the acting that comes through with mm-hmm. Bernie Mac <laughs> crossing the gun line to check on his dead lover, mm-hmm. and he just like Jake, like he like get your hands, mm-hmm. get your hands mm-hmm. off me. That was a powerful scene. And like the okay, so taking a few steps back, the comment that Eddie made that Ray made to Biscuit, I think was perfectly fine because it that's his oblivious privilege that though you. Ray know that things are getting better. You don't live this life. So right. for a motherfucker that is, is really able to have more of the life that his peers would have on the outside, but on the inside here with your partner. And he even said it's not even about him. Like, fuck you, yeah, he's messing around with dancing with ladies and whatnot. I don't care about that. It's the fact that I'm leaving and I'm going out into a world. And it wasn't said explicitly through the um dialogue, but being somebody who's part of this community, I completely understand. You're going back into a world that is not going to accept you. Mm-hmm. You don't have the, you have more privilege. Well, you have a different type of privilege here in prison than you're going to out in the real world mm-hmm. in the 30s and 40s. Um, and Miguel's and I, when I was a kid, I was like, oh, he's they're really laying it on thick. I honestly don't even think his acting. I think his acting as a gay man was much more genuine and convincing in this film than like him being like in Juana Man. Like mm. it, those are two totally different because even the drag of it was handled so well. Um, I'm sure we'll get to it, but the Ray's Boom Boom Room scene, that was so He was Billy Holiday. I'm not speaking to, you know, <laughs> as as the queer representative for everyone in the world, but for me, looking at Joanna man and then looking at this movie and seeing the way like I you could say he was effeminate he was over the top but there are people who act just like him and I didn't feel like it was a 
I feel like it was comic relief in the way that every other character was. It was a very exaggerated form of something, but I never felt like he was, oh, I don't want to say poke. I feel like he took this role seriously enough. I mean, think about it. I don't, I don't think, I think, I think that I'm not gay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I feel like Miguel Nunez was like, that's how a, a gay man would be in that time. Even the whole part where he was like, "Oh, you you were scared, huh? Don't be scared." Yeah, he had some he had some funny. Yeah, biscuit biscuit eyes front, Mister. Ain't nobody looking at nothing. No, this nigga. What he's like, any man can see that. That's my. Child. I was like, boy, step back. No. But, but yeah. So. I think they handled it pretty, pretty decent. I know that yeah. and one thing that we got to think about, Rain, talking about these movies, we, we kind of have to understand it was a difference. The 90s was a different time. People weren't as, as forward thinking as they are now. I think a lot of motherfuckers was on some other shit, but we don't get those types of movies now than we did back then either. So yeah. I don't know. I get you though. I, I can kind of see where you yeah, where you stand I, on that? Yeah, but like I said, I would give this one, this movie, more of a pass because of it being a period piece. Mm. Like other ninety movies, nineties movies that are contemporary movies, that's where I'll probably have a little bit more. Because <laughs> the, what's the guy? Um, Jesus Christ, the Uncle Ruckus dude. Who? What even really Uncle Ruckus? He was just taking his job extremely. Bob. Yeah, like he he called them sissies. He called them girls. He called and he. That wasn't for one. That wasn't for the gay folks. That was for every goddamn body. So like, so to me, Hopping Bob is the precursor to uh, the guy in Django. Um, mm-hmm. Who is Uncle Ruckus? <laughs> yeah, Sam Jackson is Uncle Ruckus. They I, from New York City, boss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was very much kissing that white man's ass, but it wasn't as exaggerated as the Uncle Ruckus character, right? Like, he, I was just like, what do you, how, how do you apply for, is this like, how do you apply for this job? How do you get this job? Like, what do you, how do you, how do you apply for this? I don't know. But yeah. He said, I ain't nice like boss. Right. He, he was funny, like, he was funny. To, everybody in this movie had their moments of, like, being funny. Like, mm. they, Anthony, big creepy ass uh wiping down the, the pillar when uh what's the little girl was uh, like, yeah looking at her and, and we go we gonna get to that we gonna get to that okay. to, okay. to, to where, I, where we rewind i don't want to i don't want to ruin okay. that okay. Okay. um did you have any other things that you wanted to put out there about the movie like because um, to, to me this was to me this movie was eddie murphy in his in his comedy bag in his comedy prime bag and I'm gonna throw something out here that that maybe you you might you might think yes or I don't know well I don't know how you might think right I think I think Martin is probably one of the best co leads mm. in black acting mm. because when you look at the movies that he's done like think about Bad Boys yeah and think about Thin Line Between Love and Hate and think about um I'll party too. Um, National Security, Blue Street. Mm-hmm. Him being a co-lead, like he plays off of any whoever else is the lead, and he's the co-lead up against. He play, he's probably one of the best 
black co-leads in movies. Yeah, because I can't think off the top of my head if anybody else, like even the people he's been in movies with, like I can't see Will Smith being in Blue Streak. I can't, like, you know what I'm saying? saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, for some strange reason, when Martin is with paired up with somebody else, he does it so well. What's the worst that can happen? I think Danny well, yeah, him and Danny Vito was like, like, I guess rivals, but like when you think about him and, and Will Smith and their chemistry, like he just has real good chemistry when he's a co-lead in a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. I agree. I because uh, looking back, and I, like I said, I even go as far back as um as House Party. Uh, mm-hmm. That was more of a um multicast film, but and he wasn't the main person, but all his he's charismatic. Mm-hmm. When he's on screen, you're paying attention to him. You're not mm-hmm. going to forget. You might forget the movie overall, but you're not going to forget that he's in that movie. So no, I I agree. I agree. I think he. Um, I don't know. I don't know. And then, but also look at his stage presence. You had uh, Def Comedy Jam. You had uh, the Martin Show. Like he's. I think doing comedy. I've never done comedy. I think I'm household funny. Like I'm I'm regular <laughs> jokes around the house funny. Right. Um, but when you look, when I look at comedians, comedy is like a boot camp that prepares you for so much more. Mm-hmm. And I, I say that with confidence because you look at Martin, look at Eddie Murphy, look at all these comics, sure. But one of my favorite authors, Eric Jerome Dickey, started off as a comedian. Now, I, don't, I want to start off early on in his career because I, I, I can't remember if he was like a comedian through college or whatever, but in California, he was a comedian. And one of his mm-hmm. books, one of the main characters is a comedian. It's one of his earlier books, really good. Um, but he attributed a lot of the success of his storytelling from that comedic start. There's um, a white girl, a white girl, a white lady I listen to <laughs> who has a podcast. And she, like, she was like, she gave you the drugs of it all. She gave you the hardcore living. And like, even to this day, just listening to a podcast, I'm laughing every time I'm listening to her. I'm reading the Eric Jerome Dickey book and I'm laughing. I'm watching these movies and I'm laughing. So I, there's something about starting off or having that comedy background that just enriches, I don't know, sound like a stand, but yes, I agree. I think he is. No, man, stand <laughs> out. Stand. That's, what this, this, that's what this is about, I just no, it's just I, I agree. And like even within all the, the things that could be deemed problematic through different communities, um, like I said at the top of the show, I laughed much more than I anticipated with what because I haven't seen this movie in about 15 years. Yeah, it's and, been a, I own this movie and it's been a while for me too. And I was just like, cause the thing was when I was coming up with the list of this for the list for we watched this, mm-hmm. um I, I I just wanted to do I really, really wanted to start out with the 90s. Mm-hmm. And for some strange reason, life just kept jumping out at me like, you should do life. You should. Do. Nobody talks about life. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I didn't even watch life in a minute. And it's one of those movies that's kind of not really talked about, even though it's 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 it's, it's prime yeah. Eddie Murphy. Yeah. And it's hilarious. It is hilarious. I don't even see it on um, streaming services like that. Mm, no, I had to uh, pay for this. Yeah. So, yeah, it's in, in the story itself, like, take the comedy out of it. If you just look at the story, like, where we start, like, it's this is a long-ass movie, and it goes quick, but then by the time we got to Can't Get Right, I was like, we started 
in Harlem with Martin dumped into a, 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 a lake. Like, I just... With Martin getting a job at the bank. Bro, it's an It's an Lathan. A major movie yeah. actress, Sanaa Lathan, is like playing this bit part as his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was something else. And I and I have thoughts about the, the stuff that transpired at the beginning where Claw wasn't as innocent as he tried to make it seem throughout the whole damn movie. So yes, <laughs> and his five dollar ass down for he make change. But no, I um yeah, it was. This was this was good. nothing was wasted. Everything mattered. Like I don't think there's one scene you could take out. Right. Like could shorten some scenes, but there's not one scene you could just take out and it'll read the same. Right. Yeah, man. This is this was unbelievable. Um I want to have a little bit of a conversation real quick before we get into the categories. Mm-hmm. The one of the actresses in here, Lisa Nicole Carson. Mm-hmm. Um at the time, considered a very big actress, and in the nineties, I'm finna give you her little movie run real quick, and you tell me mm-hmm. what you think. And you you tell me what you think about this movie run she had, mm-hmm. which to some people might not be like those aren't big movies, but in the black community, they are Come Jason on. lyrics, Come on. Jason's lyric, Devil in a Blue Dress with Denzel, mm-hmm. Love Jones, Love Jones. Eve's Bayou, mm-hmm. Life. And then she kind of falls off the map and does like some TV shows and Ellen McBeal. And that she didn't oh, act anymore. She didn't act anymore until the new edition store. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is um just a symptom of That's a hell of a run. Yeah, but again, we're black in the 90s. This is before the internet was what it is now. This is before web series and activism online. This is before like look at Black Lightning. Chris it's not. not, <laughs> not do that. It's over. We're done. But no. But look at Black Lightning. White people are now. They now know who Chris Williams is. Fam, we've known him decades ago. She's one of them actresses that that she falls in that camp. So apparently, apparently, when she was on Ellen McBeal, she was on the cover of several magazines. Like she was the next big thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And acting on, she was the next big crossover star, and she just kind of just stopped acting. She just sure at, at, at two thousand after two thousand two, she did like one TV series, which was very random. But she didn't come back until until for real twenty seventeen. But yeah. Lisa, Lisa Nicole Carson was considered like the it girl. She yeah. was the it girl. Um, basically, off of Ally McBeal. Um, which I've never watched that show before. I used to watch it. I but she was, she was. I mean, she was the next big thing and kind of stopped acting. And then her role in life was um, Sylvia, mm-hmm. uh, prostitute. <laughs> no, I'd say I'm gonna say I'm gonna just say sex worker because I don't know. <laughs> we don't know what type of sex worker she. Well, I'm even, well, yeah, I'm gonna say sex worker. Because if we're equating it to now, um, I don't think she's a you know stand on the corner type of girl. like this. This gave me more. I don't want to say even broth. Woman of the night. I'll say that. I don't know. Again, I don't have all of the vocabulary for the things I'm trying to say. So any sex workers out there, chime in and let us know. But I I don't. But I think woman of the night would be would would be a good play. I'm not certain, hundred percent, 
Yeah, she took his two dollars. Yeah, you think Martin came downstairs after she took his two dollars and they just talked, right? No, I know they they fucked. Like he cheated on his wife. Like he that's what I'm saying. Like I Claude was not I was not a fan. Like I was of course I enjoyed the movie, but I wasn't on his side. I was trying to be, and I was like, no, Ray, Ray is the okay, so I don't know. Let me stop me if we're gonna get into this later. But Ray and Claude, though this is a comedy. Are very much two sides of the same coin. It's very much uh-huh. Black America, where you have these uppity, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, um, Jack and Jill. I'm an HBCU grad type motherfuckers who are just bougie. Look at me, I'm the shit. Yeah. Then you have these regular, average Joe people, like Ray, though he is a criminal. That he still, for me, represents the other side, the regular people, and them mm-hmm. bumping heads constantly. To me, that's what I saw. I saw it as right. a, a story of kind of the haves and have-nots. And, like, mm-hmm. once everything is stripped away and we're all on equal playing field, where where do you go from here? Right. So. Mm, I understand. I can kind of see that. I don't know. Ray was a very, to me, uptight dude that did. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Kind of pretty much. You just said it. He, he was an uptight Negro. They got into some shit. The <laughs> Yeah, Claude. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, right. and, oh, sorry. Yeah, Claude, was, Claude, Claude was an uptight Negro that used to get into some shit and every night dibble and dabble every. He owed people money. He First of all, they weren't married. So yeah, now yeah, later, no, no. yeah. But you were saying he cheated on his wife. He didn't cheat on his wife. Oh, shit, my bad. No, no. Yeah, let's make it very clear. They were not married. Um, Yeah, because she even said, like, you know, that's what people do. You know, you get a good job and you you get married and you have kids. That's what respect. Like, when she said that, I was like, oh, this is very much respectability politics as folks. You need right. to do this. This is the way to advance and be good. No. Right. Ain't no damn kids, girl. Let them start this job at the bank. Oh, my God. You're a terrible person. That woman won't get married. So now Lathan deserves to get married. I'll marry her tomorrow. It's fine that she was looking. But I just wanted to throw it out there about Lisa Nicole Carson. I don't think people talk about that actress enough, and she was no, she was don't. very good, and she had a hell of a movie run. Mm-hmm. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Like yeah. that was that was a hell of a movie run. The stuff that she was acting in, most mm-hmm. black actors don't get all of that. That one in the blue dress, Lee with Denzel, get the hell out of here. Yeah, that was because even her smaller parts. Like when I think of Love Jones, I do think of Neil Long. And um, Lawrence Fishburne, real estate. But she comes to mind immediately after. Not none of his friends. Mm-hmm. Maybe the you know Bill Bellamy because of the movie. But she is the first one to come to mind after the main um, leads. Mm-hmm. Like everything that she's in, I remember her. So. And it's just <laughs> a black woman with that sandy reddish hair in like most of the movies. Well, she's gorgeous to me. I mean, she's gorgeous. I mean, that's just, you. See, yes, she is. She's For those who don't know, Rain's talking about her boobies. I, she's a beautiful young lady. I know. In her face, she has nice features. I mean, she is a very beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder she if she can, got married or had any children. I don't know. But I got to go back and watch the new edition story. Just to say, because I remember her being in that. I don't think I saw, or if I did, I was not completely sober when I did watch Oh, no. just, just turn BET on on a ra- ra- random Saturday. They'll show the whole thing. I ain't keep that. I'm sick of BET. 
Unknown facts. Before we get into the categories, unknown facts. Did you know, Rain, when Ray and Clyde were standing on the, the box of bottles towards the end of the movie, Clyde mentions that one of his toes slipped mm-hmm. in one of the bottles. Mm-hmm. That actually happened during the take. And Martin and Martin and Eddie Murphy kept going with it. And if you watch the movie, Eddie Murphy, that laugh Eddie Murphy yeah. does, it is a real laugh. Yeah. <laughs> they they decided to keep going with the take. It's a laugh. It's a long pause. Mm-hmm. That really happened. And they both yeah. laughed. <laughs> through that. That scene. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Next unknown fact. We get a nice little cameo from uh Spanky, who is played by Rick James. Rick James um has a limp in the movie. Mm-hmm. Wanna know why he has the limp? You got shot? <laughs> no. <laughs> so <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> so <laughs> any uh Ted Dimmy and Eddie Murphy thought it would be they were trying to find out who could play Spanky. And jokingly, Ted Dimmy was like, hey. Why not Rick James? You and Rick James are friends. They literally had to track down Rick James. They tracked him down. He was having hip surgery. He auditioned in the hospital for this role. (laughs) Ted Demi says, you got the part the only way, but there's one thing you got to do. He said, I can't hire you unless you do one thing. You got to cut your braids. So Rick James actually cut his braid for the role of Spanky in the movie Life. Really, but the limp the limp was actually real because he had just came from hip replacement surgery. Well, all right. Hey man, I'm cutting his braids. They could put no dang. Yeah, hey, Rick, Rick, Rick James is still smooth. Rick James was still smooth. It didn't even matter. Uh, I mean, yeah, you're right. You're right. Spank- I was like, <laughs> look at. I said, that's Rick James. Um, last one, last unknown fact. I'm gonna I'm gonna have you guess how many times was the word fuck used in this movie? Either a hundred or twenty-seven. <laughs> <laughs> the word fuck was used in this movie sixty-three times. I was close. That was the average. <laughs> that was the average. <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, now it's time for the part of the pod where we get into our fun categories. I am excited. Uh, first one, where? Or when, where do you rewind? Uh, so basically, in this part, we talk about the our most rewatchable scenes or our favorite scenes in the movie. So, Ray, where do you rewind the most in the in the movie? Um, was the boom boom room scene for me? It was again. This is 1999. This is the scene that I felt like really, especially because we're sitting in a prison, mm-hmm. really drove home black excellence, black imagination, and black perseverance. Like, we are in these bunk beds in this prison, Mm -hmm. and you, through the art of storytelling, has transported us to this boom-boom room, a place in which we can live out our best selves. Ray. Yeah. What's the name of that that nightclub of yours again? You talking about the boom boom room? Yeah, the boom boom room. That's it. Well, I sure like to see that place and you get it all up and running and pretty looking. Yeah, me too, Ray. Me too. I like to see that room too. Yeah, I tell you what though, Radio, you should have been about it last night. You'd have had yourself some big fun. What you talking about that last night? Just like I said last night, Satchmo was up in there and nearly blew the roof off the place. Ray, who, who, who that 
Satchmo. You mean Louis, Louis Armstrong? The Satchmo, that's what I call him. I know him personally. Whenever he come by my spot, I call him Satchmo, and he come by whenever he in town. Hey! Ain't nobody trying to hear that bullshit, oh, man. Oh, fuck, shut up. You always trying to say something at the wrong time. Do whatever you got go, to go, do. Go, go, go on, sleep. Let, let us man, have our fun. Sleep. Go ahead there, Ray. Finish telling us about oh, that. Oh, Ray, go on. Ray, tell me some more. Go ahead, Ray. I tell you, Ray. Damn. As I was saying, last night y'all should have come by, man. It was big fun. But y'all never guess who's going to be there tonight. Who's going to be there, Ray? Who that there? Who? Who that, Ray? Just guess. I got a man that's more than eight foot tall, four foot shoulders, and that ain't all. He's a king size papa. He's my king size papa. Bang, girl. I take the door off the hinges when my baby comes to call. That's right, fellas. Catch any cab heading uptown because all the drivers know about raids. Boom, boom. Come on, Gold Mouth. Somebody's got to watch the door. Mm. This kid was able to be the person who he, and oh my God, like the way in which his dragness, I think I call it, was handled. Because I don't, I don't know if I'm dragness. Not like the way in which. I love my cousin's name, dragness. <laughs> is dragness coming to the Thanksgiving dinner? She sure is. Which she could say no. Um, but the way in which drag was handled with him, to me. And I'm an adult, and I can't recall like how I felt as a kid, but now as an adult, looking at all the things we have to consume now and then looking at the stuff back then, I thought it was handled so well. Mm-hmm. It was never the butt of a joke. And, I, and for listeners who are like, damn, nigga, you really is? <laughs> like, relax. The re- I, like, I'm part of this damn community, and I know the hell that these people go through, especially at the hands of our own community at large, black folks and whatnot. So being just a safe space, you can say what you want to say. No, no, I'm, I'm just trying black to order treat, my thoughts. Man, look, man, look, if you want to say black people treat, treat the gay community bad, you can say that here. It's Bro, I mean we, nigga, let me tell my fucking story, nigga. I'm sorry. <laughs> God damn shit, father. Um, but I loved the way in which that uh biscuit was never was not seen, he was seen as a joke as much as everyone else was. And this scene in particular, like the way we open up on this motherfucker in a wig and a dress, and it's treated as if that's Beyonce up there and not like 50 Cent in the dress. And then we move on to everybody else and the shit that they like, oh, I know you got gambling in there. Oh, of course, I ain't gonna have nobody gambling but you, fam. And then, uh, <laughs> then the tail cloth, make him a waiter. It's just that, idea of like black imagination though you might think i'm reading too much into the scene i i I feel like i'm reading just enough if not enough Mm -hmm. these niggas is in prison in bunk beds in dirty ass clothes they stink but because you know they stink stink. these niggas that you know is stinking there and and you in the south and it's hot as fuck (laughs) Something oh my god. Block eight, cell block eight, y'all stay. But no, just to to see that collectively we were able to be transported to this space and everyone was so uh, handsome, beautiful, smart, intelligent, sexy, got all the, the shit that they wanted. Like that to me, that mm-hmm. was one of the best scenes. Probably for me, my my favorite scene out of the entire movie. Because it's mm-hmm. like 
who's I ain't gonna say who's doing that, but I can't recall any other movies. I'm sure there are some out there where this has been the case. Mm-hmm. And it was done so well. Even the cuts when uh, Homeboy was like, um, Goldmouth, I think that's his name. He was like, where am I at? He was like, oh, of course, we're going to have you at the door. And like the way they cut from him laying on his stomach in that bunk bed to looking over at Eddie, then you cut back real quick and he had the front door in that suit with them women. It was like, man, this is beautiful. This is a beautiful mm-hmm. thing. This is expertly done. So I got to give it to, to the Boom Boom Room scene. That was it. Oh no, that's not the only one. Shit. Then we got oh. we got yeah. we got the damn the uh the, the cornbread scene. <laughs> Just because of the rant that Eddie and uh I'm sorry, that Ray and Claude went on mm-hmm. when everybody else said okay, back that up. This man said he killed six. When everybody listed the shit that they did to get them in prison, and then these innocent motherfuckers had to like over embellish the shit that they did. That fucking sent me. I had to rewind that like while watching it. Like I enjoyed mm. the boom boom room. I think that's my number one. But this this should have me rewinding for sure. And uh what was my other one? Um oh Claude as an old man when he went to go to the uh, uh Greyhound station. Because mm. again, let me get sentimental. This black man who has been in locked up in, in prison away from the rest of the world for decades. Seeing all these black people with these wild hair, boom boxes, different clothing, and watching him with the um the warden or whatever the fuck he is, he was like superintendent. Superintendent, there we go. He said, you know, I, um, I trust you, I trust you, Claude, or something. And he got out. And even as a kid, I don't think I thought he was going to run away or drive away. But seeing him, Claude, get out the car, observe all these people, be in this space where like. It made me think, how many times are you in a public space and there's someone that is trapped, be it a, a domestic abusive relationship, maybe mm-hmm. they don't got no money, maybe, and I just could because he looked good. He was an older man, hair was, you know, okay, had a nice suit on, driving a nice car. That white man could have been his friend. We ain't in slave times no more. Like... I think they got to the 70s by that time. Yeah, yeah, they were in the 70s because you had them big old afros and them hippies. But the thing is, in this something I asked myself when I was watching this was like, what if you got off that Greyhound bus? Because I, I used to ride a Greyhound. What if I got off that Greyhound bus and saw this man? I would have spoke probably and kept it moving, but not knowing this man is essentially trapped. He's trapped. Like he is trapped. His captor has him and he's trapped. And he has to go right back to this prison. But when he mm-hmm. saw these young black folks, and he looked in the in the, winch, uh, the window of that car next to him and saw his face. I was like, damn, this is this is heavy. Mm-hmm. This is heavy, man. So, oof, them my three scenes. Hey, <laughs> this is heavy. Okay, let me what lighten we- the mood a little bit. Good Lord. Let me lighten <laughs> the mood. Um, that whole, okay. So I might be cheating a little bit because some of this, some of the stuff I got, I got, I got to put together. Uh-huh. The whole scene, the car from the when they start the car ride up until they get to the restaurant about nigger pie. That oh, was one. Of the, that was one of the funniest. <laughs> I rewind that scene the whole time because Eddie Murphy and and Martin Lawrence, Claude and Ray go back and forth with each other, and it is hilarious. I tell you what, 
tell you what, though, this little run run we doing is gonna really improve my relationship with Spanky, I'll tell you that. He's a good man to have on your side. He got the capital connections. That's what you got to have in this business, capital connections. I'm gonna give me the connections. I ain't got no capital yet, but I'm gonna get me something. I'm gonna get the connections, and then I'm gonna have my own place. Don't get me wrong, I like Spanky, but I'm gonna have my own place. Yeah. Get this, I'm gonna call my place. Check this out. Raise bone, bone, roam. Don't that sound like something? Don't that sound like a place where it's fun? Sound exciting. Raise boom boom room. Yeah, I like that. Hey man, if you heard it was a place called the boom boom room, when you wanna check it out? Hell yeah, hell yeah, you'd want to. Shit yeah, you'd want to. Whew, the boom boom room. <laughs> what you think? Hey, you know, you ain't said nothing since we left. I think the least you can do is give me a little friendly conversation, boy. I don't want a friendly conversation. I don't want to be your friend. I just want to do this thing and get back to New York in time to start my job. And what the hell kind of job you got? Well, if you must know, bank teller at First Federal of Manhattan. What's so funny? <laughs> no, I was laughing to myself, man. Excuse me. Yeah, no, you find something very amusing. What's, what's so funny? I don't know. It's just bank tellers. It just sound like ladies work to me. That's something I always picture a woman doing. Well, maybe I should dig around in other people's pockets for money. It's obviously been highly successful for you. Hey, you'd be surprised if you find other people's pockets. Besides, I ain't never heard no man say I'd be no bank teller. That's a damn sure. This time next year, I'll be a loan officer. Well, if I want to get some frogs together to come down to the bank and get a loan, I got to come down and deal with a tight-ass son bitch like you. That's right. Well, how I get a loan? You? Yes, me. What's you? What is that shit? Well, I can't be. I can't get no money. You need collateral. What you think? I ain't got collateral? I have to... Look at this. How about this here? Look at that, huh? That thing? Who'd you steal it from? I ain't steal that. My daddy gave me that watch. Look at that. Yeah, well, who'd he steal it from? Hey, you watch your mouth what you say about my daddy. My daddy's dead. You say whatever you want to say about me, but you can't drag my daddy into it. This watch is sterling silver. It's top shelf, top of the line, and it's very near and dear to my heart. So no wisecracks about it, or I'll whoop your ass. Well, it looks like a fake to me. Loan denied. Hey, you know something, Claude? Fuck you. I'm gonna take my business elsewhere. For future references, you will not be welcome at Ray's Boom Boom Room. There's no boom boom. When there is one, when there is a boom boom room, don't come down to the motherfucker because you ain't getting in. Bro. He was like, so if I want to see, he said, what you think about Ray Boom Boom Room? <laughs> when he, he was like, I gotta have collateral to get some frog skins from you. Like when he when they go into that whole mm-hmm. rant with each other, mm-hmm. it is hilarious. Yeah. The outtakes they actually have a longer back and forth in the outtakes, yeah. but it is like one of, and up until the time that they get to <laughs> the restaurant where they want some coffee and pie. Oh and when Eddie Murphy pulled out the cash, it was like, How much to turn the white soldier pies into nigga pies? <laughs> Bro. I die every time I turn you into nigga pie. Oh, I didn't know people were so serious about pie around here. Mm-mm. I Mm-mm. that whole sequence, that whole what ten probably ten minutes worth of yeah. movie. Yeah, it don't stop. It is hilarious yeah. as hell. I agree. I agree. Another another one. <laughs> um, my other one. Ray and Claude argument about the watch. We brought this up earlier. Mm-hmm. When he tell him to. When he tell him don't say watch no more, call it a little clock. <laughs> I have to go back. Yeah. That's one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life. Agreed. Eddie Murphy improv that whole thing. Mm-hmm. And it is funny. The outtakes show Martin breaking 
they could you, not get to see you could they break character all the time and mm-hmm. it is hilarious. That is one of my favorite ones. When the superintendent tries to find out who found out the baby daddy, <laughs> he literally takes the baby and yeah. puts the baby in next to every black dude in line. Mm-mm. Hilarious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then when everybody that scene is has a lot of other a, another good meaning too, which a lot of people don't see. And maybe they see it, maybe they don't see it. I see it. It's funny because everybody in that camp in the prison knew mm-hmm. they can't get right, got that girl pregnant. Yeah. And for them to when she was like, bring me back my baby, and and when he was like, Hey, you laughing at me, boy, and then everybody steps up, everybody was mm-hmm. kind of stepping up back and can't get right to they basically told jokes to get the superintendent out of there. Mm-hmm. I just thought that, I mean, they, they essentially saved the boy's life. Mm-hmm. Ain't no telling what they, they was going to do to him because yeah. the superintendent was so mad. And um, I thought that was just a good scene just for the simple fact that everybody stepping up saying, I'm the baby daddy. Uh, <laughs> and Jenga Lang was like, I'm the pappy. <laughs> Out of here. <laughs> that black Out of here. baby, they did not get a biracial baby for that scene. <laughs> that was a black that was a Negro baby. So, <laughs> the story goes, the director found the baby. When he first found the baby, the baby didn't have that much hair. Oh. And then when it came time for them to shoot the scene, the baby grew, you know, when he first found the baby, the baby didn't have that much hair. Looked more like a newborn. They can't get newborns, of course, because that's right. against the law. But the baby is like six months old, but they didn't have that much hair when he first got the, when he first hired the baby. The baby grew hair by the time they started filming, and then he's, he's just like, he was like, <laughs> so the director basically was like, well, let's just go with it, and we'll just say that can't get right. Jeans was so strong that he he made this super baby. I mean, yeah, because he was bald, <laughs> so you don't know what his hair looked like. So I mean, I went with it, but I was like, no, fam. Because a funny story, I have a cousin who her father's white, her mom is black. Right, she does not look like she has an ounce of negro in her at all Mm-mm. i mean she looks like a white woman and mm. so i mean so it's believable I, mean, I don't think that that's too far removed from reality but it was just so funny that this baby looked very much like two of the inmates <laughs> had a kid and not her like cause right right <laughs> it was black as hell right right oh mm-hmm. my god uh and my last rewind where i rewind has to be, and I think we you said it too. I think we both like this. The whole sequence of Ray and like Ray and Claude getting moved into the super superintendent house to be serving. Yeah, where Claude is serving the drinks, but Ray doing all the yard work. Yes, they got them two going back and forth. The the scene. I mean, this is a whole I think twenty minute run. The scene where he he and uh Claude Ray and Claude in the bed. They they in the bedroom yeah. about to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and Ray says, I know you got a plan, nigga. What you looking at, Ray? Huh. Just what the fuck you looking at, Ray? You know, I noticed that, uh, I know that you and, uh, Miss Wilkins been mighty, mighty friendly lately. What, y'all gonna be a new couple or something? Kiss my ass, Ray. Okay? Mr. Wilkins just an old man that like to talk. That's all that is, Ray. That's all that is. Oh, yeah, you old like to talk. 
Well, I'm the one I like to talk to. Well, what you want to talk about, Ray? Huh? What you want to talk about? Nigga, I want to talk about the plan you've been working on. I ain't working on no plan, Ray. I know you. And I know when you got something brewing. I know it. What I got brewing? You what I got brewing, Ray? You tell me. You done lost your damn mind, Ray. That's what, what you, you believe. Did, Ray. I don't care what you believe. I don't care what you believe, eh? Cause I know you got something up your sleeve, nigga. Cause nigga, I'm gonna stay up arguing with you all night. You cutting into go, my sleeping go, time. Go sleep, okay, man. kiss my ass and go good night. Go to sleep, nigga. Yeah. I hope, and I hope it's the long one. Yeah. Why Ray. you talking to me? Go to sleep. Good night. I'm gonna go to sleep. Good night, Ray. Why don't you go to sleep? Why I can't? Why for? I can't just sit here and look at your ass and wonder what you got up your sleeve. Yeah, I got something brewing. I got an ass whooping brewing for you, Ray, if you don't stop fucking with me. Oh, that right. That's right, Ray. All right. Sleep tight, nigga. Yeah, fuck you too. Yeah, I hope your ass pissed a bed with that weak ass bladder. Yeah, well, well, if I do, if I do, and then I put the sheets on you. How you like that? <laughs> he was like, <laughs> oh, shit, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, I can watch this. I can watch that whole run. I can watch that whole up until I think up until it was like time for them to um I think it was up until the time he went to town and everything before they they shot the uh, the new ward. Um that shit is hilarious. Why you gotta say nasty shit, right? Because I'm a nasty mother. <laughs> um one thing I do want to point out that I thought was done so well, because this was only maybe two seconds worth of acting, mm-hmm. is when um the sheriff was like, you know, I wake up every day hoping that y'all died in your sleep, and then you didn't, you didn't, and you disappoint me every day. And it's like, oh, I'm sorry, boss. But then when he was like, y'all getting moved to the superintendent's mm-hmm. house, he's like, I ain't gonna miss you. But it was like a second when he was like, like he was about to cry. And then yeah, he like, he was like that was so. I was like, oh, this is. He good said acting. like he was like he was like, well, <laughs> yeah, he was well. sad. He was saying he's gonna miss them Negroes. He gonna miss them. I was like, damn, like even this nigga who's been on their ass for forty years is sad. <laughs> uh, questions I need next category. Questions I need answer to. I only got one. When and where did Can't Get Right get May Rose pregnant? They in whole prison. Where did they go? I, when did this happen? I chalked it up to her. I chalked it up to her. And that, to me, that wasn't too unbelievable. He couldn't. She couldn't bring him into that house, and she couldn't go out to the prison to get have sex with him. Where they get? Where they go? I don't know, man. I talked up to her because she. I don't know, man. I, where? When? I've seen too many shows and movies that that made sense to me. I was like, all right, she got this dress on. They went and busted open in the back or something, and then mm-hmm. kept it moving like some kind. Of, no, I, I was like, they right, are in the. They are in the racist south. There is no way some white woman got with some black dude at a prison. Man, she made it work. You see, she had that black baby. So, hey, she loved him because she was doing them little waves. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I think this is that's an example of the director doing a good job of setting up enough, um, um, I don't say tension, but enough Easter eggs or enough. Um, it was subtle moments. It yeah. was very subtle moments. Like mm-hmm. he would tip his hat and she would, yep. she would do this or. So or that, no, good. I, I I think he did a good so, so that even when this does happen, like it's a legitimate question, yeah. But I won't question it because you've shown me that they like each other. She waving him, he waving her. He playing baseball, looking like a little kid, you know. Like it, and she waving at him. And I like how they used her pregnancy as a way to move time forward mm-hmm. without having to do, you know, ten months later. What? Right. But yeah. 
Yeah. I just questions I need answers to. Um, the next category was there a Clifton Powell sighting? Okay, let me since this is the first show of the podcast, let me just explain to you guys what I mean by that. So Clifton Powell is an actor that has been acting for a very long time, and he is a black movie legend. So he's either in the movie or he ain't in the movie. But nine times out of ten, he's gonna be <laughs> in your movie. Yeah, Clifton Powell is the hood version of Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, he is a hood legend. Um, was there a Clifton Powell sighting in this movie? Nope, but I felt like we needed him. Um, <laughs> I don't know where he would fit in it, but he needed to be one of them prisoners, maybe a cook. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, yeah, I mean, yeah, because you could have split up Anthony Anderson's character and just made him the, the chef or the cook, yeah. Um, would he have would, would Clifton Powell work in this movie? Um, I think you know what, I don't know, I think with Bernie Mac. Being there, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. I think he would have. I'm sure they would have found a way to make it work, but off the top of my head. He could have been a cook back now. Yeah, that's – yeah. Well, no, I'm going to say yeah, because one, this is 1999. It's a bunch of personalities. They could find a way to make him fit. Yeah, I think he would have worked. Clifton yeah. Powell was big in the 90s. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that he's not. I'm saying this is the 90s. So for this ensemble cast where everybody ain't a big name, they could have found a way to make him work to shoot him in somewhere. This is completely that's a completely joke category though. You don't have to be so serious. You serious on that one. Bro. I want man to get a check. No, nigga, like Clifton no, Powell. Said that. Money. Oh, damn. He could have he, he, he got plenty of money. He didn't need no check. He need more money. Next category. Could this be made in 2021? Yes. I would say no. I think so. Mm-mm. You can't do this type of movie in 2021. People go crazy. You literally <laughs> was not feeling a lot of this stuff that they was doing in here. But I say yes because of it being a period piece. Like there are, like you have to change some some things probably. But I don't think. I mean, they made it. It's called Twelve Years a Slave. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, man, <laughs> nigga. I'm saying that was the I don't... version of life. Twelve Years a Slave. I don't think they can make this movie without people getting upset. I don't know. I feel like it could be made because I'm, I'm, I have my issues. Um, but for all the crap that we get nowadays, uh, now to say if it would do well, I think, I think the strength of it being this ensemble black cast of like uh, some unknown, some household names, to me makes it able to get made. Um, I don't think you can have. I don't think there's two. Big time comedians that could carry a movie like this in 2021, like Martin and Eddie Murphy did. Like you would have to put, like, ke- think about it like this: Kevin Hart would have to be one of the lead characters, Ugh. and then it's who you gonna put next to him? That's, that's just as funny. The Rock got the same amount of funny. Kevin <laughs> is not. You get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Right now, Kevin Hart is considered one of the biggest comedians in America right now. Mm. So it's him and who else? You get what I'm saying? Like I don't yeah. think that's a funny movie. Yeah, because and then also comedy has changed. Because the first thing that came to mind when you were explaining, I was like, it'll probably be some damn IG Vine TikTok ass niggas. Well, well, yeah. Because yeah. I know I this would be a different. This would be a more serious movie if it was made now. It would be a more yeah. It would be so. I'm not agreeing that it couldn't be made. I am I am kind of on your side a little bit more than before. I'll still stand my ground. Yeah, I um it is long as hell. But 
Yeah, I say mm, we don't have. I don't think we have two comedians that are smart enough and have the acting chops to be able to carry a movie like this. And young enough, I'll say that. And, and young enough, add that as being the caveat because yeah. Kevin Hart is what in his early forties or late thirties, somewhere. Yeah. So yeah, well, I think Eddie Murphy was around about the same age in this. Yeah, but Eddie Murphy was Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Kevin Hart ain't no Eddie Murphy. Kevin Hart ain't even Kevin Hart. So, <laughs> oh my god. Uh, next category, <laughs> Widow's Peak. Now, when I say Widow's Peak, guys, I mean this is the best this actor gonna ever get. This is the highest. This movie is the highest that they got, and in, 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 this is it. After that, they fall off the cliff. Uh, I'll go first. Guy Tori as Radio. Where is he at? Oh. I actually got two of them. I actually got two of them. And you go the second one. You're probably not gonna. <laughs> you're probably not gonna like. Guy Tory as radio. Mm-hmm. Guy Tory, this is as good as he gonna get. I don't think any movie was better than this that he did. And Miguel Nunez. I actually agree because if I'm looking without looking him up, Joanna Man is the first thing that comes to mind. But that ain't as good as life. No, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying like mm-hmm. I can't I can't recall another movie. Mm. Um ooh, yeah, I'd have to agree. And the thing, like, no, he played Little Richard, didn't he, in something? Who? Manel Nunez? Yeah, didn't he? Leon well, played uh, No, but there's, there's another. Hmm, okay, maybe you're right. Um, no, I would agree. I would agree. I would I would agree with you there. Um, who else? I would say Oba Babatundi, but he was in half and half, and that ran for a little minute. Um, uh, ooh. I don't know. I, I would agree with Miguel. Um, damn, Rick James. No, <laughs> no, um, yeah, I would have to default to him too. Because <laughs> I don't, I can't. Yeah, I can't think of nothing. Okay, change two characters in this movie to make it better. Can you? Um, I have the same exact. Well, okay. Let me tell you what I got. Go ahead. I said, at first, I was like, I can't think of any, but I really want to put Cuba Gooden Jr. in this movie, but I don't know where. I think he would work. I think he would work really <laughs> well in this movie. But this where movie, does he, where do you fit him? You you shove him in with somebody else. Shit, ah. you, <laughs> you put ah. him as a bunkmate with Jake. Like, I don't know. But I think, but I do think he would be interesting. Um, if we're swapping him out for somebody, but that's the thing, I think, right? But like, I think it's no such thing as a perfect cast. But this is about as good as you're gonna get as far as casting is concerned. Like, I don't think you, I don't think you could switch two actors, two characters out, switch two actors out as characters to make this movie better. You get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I feel like Cuba Gooden Jr. should have been in this movie somewhere, but I just don't know where he could have been at. I feel like when you're, if you're thinking about swapping somebody out, it would have to be one of the white cast members. Um, and then even doing that, really, what is that going to do? Like, that's not going to improve. At, like, what is that going to do? So I don't, I don't know. I'm kind of with you. I don't, I don't. Off the top of my head, I can't, I can't think of anybody who would. They played. They brought these people to life. Yeah, I, I don't, think, it was any, I don't think there's any actors that can, you can switch out in this movie. No, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, yeah, 
and, and can we talk for a minute about the superintendent going in to see that baby? Like that's it. I just I knew what was gonna happen, but I was like, oh, what is that? The funny thing about that scene too was the baby was like, eh? <laughs> like uh, it was like Mm, Actually, the setup of the scene, because you yeah, got the late, the white lady who came out and looked like she seen a she seen a ghost. That was the mama, and he was like, "Oh, I got a boy." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then the doctor was like, oh, "Yeah, your daughter's okay. It's the baby. <laughs> He's strong." <laughs> so yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, next category, I want that Oscar award. That is, this is the award that you give the you give an actor who overacted in this movie. Mm. You're gonna oh. be probably you're probably gonna be shocked what I say. Who who you got? Eddie Murphy. I'm not I'm not against that. <laughs> I feel like Eddie Murphy overdid it in a lot of even though it was funny, mm-hmm. I felt like sometimes he was just he was going a little too hard at some of them some of them scenes, man. He felt like I I said this to myself while watching. Eddie Murphy is one of them people who plays the same character in every movie. Not really, but every like everything he was doing on the car ride to uh Mississippi, I could see that being in any other Eddie Murphy movie. So I, I agree with you. The shit was still funny. I he he had me laughing, but it felt like he wasn't in the time period all the time. Well, I ain't gonna say that. I felt like he was in the time period. I just felt like it was some. It was sometimes he was just doing a lot, and I was like, "Calm down, just a little bit, my man. Like, mm-hmm. calm down, some. You know what I'm saying? Like, he mm-hmm. was. Uh, he was doing a lot. Yeah, <laughs> and it made Martin Martin. It made Clausen kind of boring to me, and not boring like I wasn't satisfied with the movie, but because mm-hmm. there were such polar opposites. Until they both were in that uh, old person makeup, I was like, "Damn, Martin kind of, Claude kind of bored." But it wasn't that; is that Eddie was intense as fuck. He was, yeah, yeah. God, he was chewing the scenes, man. He was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I would agree with that. Um, I was gonna say Bernie Mac, but I don't necessarily think he was overacting. I think he was playing a character that I'd never seen him play before. Mm. I don't think it was overacting. I think he. Um, he just he gave me something different from what I was used to, so I, I'm not even gonna go with him. Okay. Um, okay. Maybe uh, the, the the sheriff, Nick, the the uh the chain. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I felt like I felt like Eddie Murphy was the one, and not because of Martin. I just felt like he was just a lot. <laughs> Mm. It was just some parts in this movie where he was like a lot, and I was like, "All right, man, like we, I feel you. You funny. You still got it, bro. Like just you have something to prove. You, <laughs> you need to know without a shadow of a doubt." But they, he plays so well off of Martin, man. Like, what can you do? You know. Mm-hmm. Next category: Did the soundtrack slap? Yes, so, to me. Wah, wah. No, it did. Oh, it was a lot of contemporary R&B. Okay. okay. Let me go down the list of people who are on this. Come on. First of all, this is a sign of the times because they, (laughs) the soundtrack, when you go look up the soundtrack, the first thing was R. Kelly. R. Kelly. Kelly. I was like, okay. But think about it. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. You had you had the song by uh Wyclef, the 25 to Life song, the first song on the on the soundtrack that was on here. You got Des- you got a Destiny Child. I didn't even know this Destiny Child was on, and it was a good song. Good as hell. You, you got, got a Destiny Child, you got, huh? No, you got exhibit too, exhibit juvenile. Yeah, uh, the first song, the 25 to Life song. Mm-hmm. You got Maxwell Fortunate, which is one of my favorite songs. Mm. Um, you got Kelly Price on here with It's Gonna oh. Rain. I think that was Brian McKnight, Damn. you got Maya song on here. You got the City High song, which I love. Yes, you, mean, I you, hate that. <laughs> you got a fuck. You got the you got a Casey JoJo Ozzy song. Isaac Brothers speechless. You got the but the life song with K, Casey and JoJo. Yeah, now that keeps <laughs> away from me. Mm. For those who don't know, look up Casey and JoJo. Time slipping away from me. Live. <laughs> My God. And then you even have these people who ain't big today. Talent, Vegas Cat. Um, you had a Sparkle song, Loving You, the remix. Because I played it today. And at this point, I was in the shower when that song came on. I was like, what the fuck is this? What am I hearing? Something mm-hmm. that's familiar, but something is wrong. And I'm like, oh, shit. This is, you know, Sparkle on this motherfucker. Uh, Mocha. Like. I, I just I liked it and it was I had to really sit with it to be like, do you really like it or is it nostalgic sounds that remind you of your childhood? And mm-hmm. like the, I skipped a few songs, but it's just because those particular songs I did not care for, not because yeah. the soundtrack was bad. Um, I could have just played this all the way through and been cool. So yeah. I think it did. It, it, it slapped. I do too. I do too. I think it slapped too. Who won the movie? The the actor or the character? Uh, I would go with the actor, actually. Um, probably Eddie Murphy. Then that's what I got. Yeah, even though even though Eddie Murphy didn't do any more R-rated movies after this, I feel like he came out the winner. Mm -hmm. I feel like he Ray Gibson too, honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. I would say like Sanaa, not like one the whole movie, but like she also went down that early two thousands black wave of like best man, preachers, man, all that. You know, all that I don't know, man. You know all that black shit, like preachers, the best man, man. The brother. We gonna do preachers, man? On oh, we watched it. We gonna do preachers, man? We gonna have to find a movie. And we yeah, gonna have to do preachers, man. Let you know what. It might Cole, it might not be a movie fit for you, brother. Not just as a it might be a parody of some sort that you might not want to watch. You know but. what? You know what's funny? I got a you're gonna do a you're gonna do a list one of these for one of these seasons. You might matter okay. of fact, I might let you do next season's list. Oh, let me nigga. All right. <laughs> Thank you, boss. I appreciate you. And if you if you like, could I go and, and, and you know maybe eat a little bit of pie after y'all throw in the trash, sir? No, <sighs> I can't stay you at all. That's it. We got nothing else. You got any more final thoughts? Um, I I, I liked it. I liked it. I felt like this was a very tight movie. There was a lot of people in the cast. Yeah, but like we were on sale eight for the whole movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. For the right. most part. So um, right. I think in those moments I slipped into that greedy fan where I was like, man, this could have been like a limited series, like four more episodes, like life, but no, we it didn't need that. And I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it still. I enjoyed it more 
than I anticipated I would. And mm. I think if you have seen it before and it's been a while, watch it. And if you've never seen Life, even if some of the stuff may be offensive to some of you younger listeners, mm-hmm. um, I think it's worth a watch and you get a more watered down version of what a lot of these comedians were doing during mm. the time and before. So I think this would be a good gateway into seeing like if you really want to go watch an Eddie Murphy stand up or a Bernie Mac stand up or Def Comedy Jam. So I think this is a good entry entry gateway movie. So Yeah. No, I think for a movie that was set in that that came out in nineteen ninety nine, I think the laughs still carry over pretty well. And yeah, it's some offensive stuff on there, but for the most part, this movie is very again going back to the very beginning of the show. This movie is a funny look at a bad situation. Yeah, in the whole, I will say there were times where, like the um, them falsely being accused of murder, homeboy knowing he killed that man and blaming it on them, um, the white man coming and getting can't get right after leading them on, thinking that they were going to have. Um, a shot of getting out. Like a lot of that stuff really hit me hard mm. where I was like, it was even worse probably because I knew what was coming because I've seen the movie. That stuff didn't sit right with me. I was really like battling with myself like, man, do you need to skip this? Do you need to... Uh, but all in all, they say nigger a bunch of times. <laughs> if that includes you, please don't watch it with captions because they <laughs> say nigger when these niggas are saying nigger. Right, right. Uh, like I said, man, I, I I don't know. It's a good movie to sit down and then laugh with. So mm-hmm. I most definitely tell you guys, if you get an opportunity to watch Life, even though it's not on streaming service, I mean, you have to pay for it. You either have to own it or pay for it. It's on Prime. It's on YouTube. You can buy it for like two, I think three to four dollars to rent. Movie, man, get, hit up the bootleg, man, in honor of this movie. There was uh, bootleg and liquor. Go to yeah. like, man. <laughs> Might as well. Do it for James. I mean, hey, yeah. Shoot. <laughs> All right, guys. This is the first episode. Thank you guys for joining us. Next week, we're going to do something that's very... I, I, I can't say out of our league, but we're going to do a movie that... that how, how can I explain it? Next week, we're going to talk about... Um, we're going to have another guest on. Next week, we're going to talk about Waiting to Exhale. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Yep. You watch you walk away. Is he watching me walk away? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Guys, thank you again for joining us. Uh, we will catch you next week. Peace. All right. Radio. Radio.